This is Thrash It Out, a show where we listen to a heavy metal album and then argue about it. I'm Brian Latendry. And I'm Anthony Johnston, and this is one of our Backstage Pass episodes where we chat to one of our Patreon supporters about their path through metal and an album that is special to them. And today's guest is Pinky. Say hello, Pinky. Hello, Pinky. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So, I mean, kick off. Tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, sort of how and when you got into metal. Oh dear! Right. Uh, hmm. Didn't think about that bit. <laughs> Pro- probably kind of get classed under a- aging metalhead now. Although I listen to a much broader range of music, I grew up listening to a lot of rock and well, a lot of rock and classical and jazz because that's what mother listened to. Um. And got into metal quite early, so I was one of those little baby rockers that used to um, get into the London Astoria at the tender age of... <coughs> um, and I really shouldn't have been there. Uh, but yeah, I used to go there every week and used to go to a lot of the other metal clubs and it just it, it fed my soul. It was lovely. Um, yeah. Was there a particular band that, uh, you know, you sort of glommed onto at that young age? Oh, initially, hmm. So, Guns N' Roses aren't really metal, but that was probably my 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 entry drug into heavy metal, and then moved on to things like Metallica, and then uh, probably like Sepultura and Pantera, uh, and a lot of the really heavy. I just like the really heavy stuff. I mean, I like the other stuff as well. Yeah, I mean that that's a hell of a step up from you know, a lot of people. I'm sure got into you know sort of rock and and the harder side of music with uh, Guns N' Roses, but that's a hell of a leap to go from Guns N' Roses to stuff like Metallica and Sepultura. <laughs> well, I just hadn't heard it until that point, and then when I heard it, I was like, no, this is this is me. This is where I belong. Uh, this is the right place. Bye, everyone else. Fantastic. I mean, you know, aging metalheads, me and Brian, obviously. <laughs> You can sympathise yeah, there, you know. We're, for sure. We're right there with you, yeah. Um, and we both started fairly young as well. I think it's, like, you don't have to start young, but it is one of those things, if you start young, it does tend to stick with you. Yeah. Through life, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I, So when did you first start listening to the show to thrash it out? Uh, when it started. Oh, right from the start? Yeah, yeah, right from the start. Because I, I, I listened to, uh, what was it, Unjustly Maligned? Oh, yes, yes. Um I think that's where you mentioned. Or you mentioned it on one of one of those ones because I listened to a few on that network. So, well, there, there was it was an episode of Unjust Limeline that was yeah. effectively the pilot, the backdoor yes, pilot yeah. for the. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Because I invited Brian on, and he was like, "I would like to talk about a Megadeth album." <laughs> yeah, it was Megadeth, wasn't it? Yes. Which one was it? Risk. It was Risk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was God. That was a really early episode of Unjustly Maligned as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a great episode. Well, I think we've told this story before. It was uh, after we'd done that, we had such fun doing it. And Brian and I <laughs> knew one another before then, anyway, um, from the comics scene. Right, and yeah. we had such fun doing it that I think it was was it you who mailed me first afterwards? I think it was your idea, wasn't it, Brian? I want to say that there was feedback on that episode that was really positive. And I think you had reached out to tell me that. And that was, 
And then the conversation just kind of went from there of like, huh, well, maybe we should do more of this. If, mm. <laughs> if people liked, you know, we, we knew that we had a fun time doing it. And, uh, and if people enjoyed it, then I think the idea of us talking about music more was very appealing. So, and yeah. here we are like five and a half years later. So, well, I, for one, I'm very glad that you carried on doing it. <laughs> well, thank it really you. And thanks for listening. But yeah, you really know, I, I, I love the show. I love that you do it. And I, I know I've said this before in my feedback, but you are the most expensive podcast I listen to because <laughs> I keep buying the albums. <laughs> well, I Good. think that today will be a little bit of payback uh, because yeah. I definitely am now a huge fan of Skunk and Nancy after. Woo-hoo! So, and we can get into that, but like, uh, yeah, you, you'll definitely be costing me some money for sure. <laughs> Brian, you've, you've given away the show. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've been so curious to ask you, like, what do you two think of it? But yeah. Yeah. Well, we will get into that in a moment. Um, I was just going to ask you before we got to your album, I was going to say, what is the, your favorite album that we've covered on the show so far? That I can't actually answer because it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. All right. As to what's going to be my favorite ever. However, mm, maybe Pantera, maybe. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, was it Vulgar Display of Power? Which, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is a classic. Although, do you know what? The other week, just, I don't know, in a fit of nostalgia, I listened to Cowboys from Hell again, which I, I hadn't listened to Cowboys in several years. So right, much. and I was like, do you know what? This actually still pretty fucking rocks. Uh, that one I still listen to on a fairly regular basis. Same just, here. Oh, yes. I love it. That's probably my one, uh, if I was to, like the one album I always go back to from that band is that one. Mm-hmm. That oh, one really? and Power Metal, which I know is <laughs> not the most popular Pantera album, and they don't even talk about it, but uh, I absolutely love Power Metal. I'm, um, my I'm go-to not even Pantera that familiar with that one. Oh my gosh, you should totally, especially if uh, okay. if you if you it's like Guns N' Roses and, and some of that sort of uh, 80s kind of rock and hair metal stuff, then yeah. Power Metal is a great album for okay. that. Have you seen the cover of Power Metal? The cover it's so good. I am looking it up now. Oh, it's <laughs> wow! I mean, honestly, it's and the thing is, the album sounds like that cover looks. Oh, okay. Like you, you look at that cover and you're like, Come oh on. wow! And Ode, yeah, the album Ode. really does sound like that. It's almost Ode. like what if they did a Judas Priest album before they did like oh, what we know God. as Pantera today? Okay, it's so I have good. to listen to this. <laughs> have you just seen it now? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Phil's hair. His hair, man. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, no, Far Beyond Driven is my uh, go-to Pantera right. album. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I do love all of the albums running up to that one, apart from perhaps Power Metal, <laughs> which I, I have got, but I, I can't say I listen to an awful lot. Oh, I remember what it was now. It was it was talking with a friend about karaoke, and I mentioned that I used to, in my youth, I used to be able to sing Cemetery Gates, uh, yeah. including the high note at the end. Ouch. I actually could reach that. I can't do it anymore. No chance. Like my, <laughs> my voice is completely fucked. Um, but I used to be able to yeah hit that high note, and that just made me think, oh, do you know, I haven't listened to that album in ages. So yeah, I pulled it out. Well, I'm never going to stop 
asking you to give us a demo of that then because uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that is my favorite Pantera song. So maybe that'll be the I, final episode of of this podcast <laughs> sing, ever. Sing yourselves out. That yeah, would be absolutely. amazing. You have yeah. to do it now. It'll have to be the final episode because I won't be able to speak anymore. <laughs> yep. <laughs> after trying that again. Honestly, like, yeah, when I was like 24, 25, I could do it. Now, not a chance. I mean, I can't even get halfway there. <laughs> oh, do you know, actually talking about um, glam, uh, sort of the glamour side, uh, I am going to quickly give a shout out to, there's a London glamour rock band called Kabuki. And bless them, they mail us every time they put out a new single asking us to sort of talk about it on the show. Um, and it's, you know, it's not really my kind of thing, as most listeners will know, but they seem to be quite good at what they do. And to their credit, they are almost unique. We get quite a bit of mail from, you know, we've found our way onto various press release lists. Um, they are almost unique amongst the people who mail us in that they actually get our names right and they Aye. spell our names right. And... <laughs> And like I'm like okay, they clearly do actually listen to the show. Um, so if you like the you know the glam rock side of things, they're at thekabukishow.com. You can find them there, and there's links to their videos on YouTube and stuff. Like I say, not really my kind of thing, but they are clearly good at what they do. You know, they're talented songwriters and musicians. So yeah, if you like that stuff, go and give them a listen. Yeah, definitely more in my wheelhouse. I think of the two of us. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I like it so far. <laughs> have you uh actually gone and followed those links brian have you listened to their stuff i have checked out some of their stuff and it's definitely in my wheelhouse i mean i'm i i'm not good with all the labels in terms of like glam versus hair metal versus but sure, i do yeah. appreciate theatricality and you know i think these this band in particular does a, a great job with that I mean, they're well-named, you know. <laughs> right, totally. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, very theatrical. Anyway, anyway, but let's move on from that then to, uh, yeah. So let's talk about the album that you wanted to uh, talk yes. about in this episode, Pinky. And yeah, yeah that's Skunk and Anzi's debut, uh, yep. Paranoid and Sunburnt. So why this album? Why is it important to you? This came out when I was a teeny tiny baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was 17 when it came out, and it it spoke to me in many ways, and I love the music, and I love how heavy it can get whilst also being really clear, and I can hear everything in it, and I love Skin's voice, and I love the way she performs, and we actually we went to see them live at the Astoria, I think I think it was the year after the album came out, and it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like Fantastic. They, they put on just such an amazing show, and I loved it so much. And it was great for my tiny little angry head to just <laughs> scream. And they do great ballads as well. How did you find them? How did you? Because this is the debut album, so yeah, you know, I sort of... I have no idea. I cannot remember where I first heard it. It might have been in the club, or it. it I mean, it would only ever have been in the club or one of my friends, but I cannot remember where I first heard them. It wasn't through. Well, it, we could have been you MTV didn't find them, like, through the press or something. Could, no, I mean, unless it was MTV, because I did watch did watch a lot of the the the, the metal. What Headbangers was it? Metal Ball and stuff, yeah. Headbangers Ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it might have been on that, 
I also read, though, that Selling Jesus was on the Strange Days soundtrack, the movie. So that could also be a place. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it was. But I didn't see that for quite a while, so it wouldn't have come from there. I think they were. I think Selling Jesus specifically actually was on Headbangers Ball, you know, sort of in the rotation when it came out. Yeah, it would make Uh, sense. I have a vague memory of that, and it is probably the most straight-up metal-like track mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the album, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, it would make sense. Yeah. Um, I, I remember there being a big splash when they debuted in the press, you know, in places like Kerrang! and Metal Hammer. Um, yeah, they were suddenly all over the place. Well, and it's such, it they great. have such a unique image, obviously, yes. you know. Yeah. A, a shaven-headed black woman, even now... And and I think that was one of the things I loved about them. It's like, oh, it's not four white guys. Fuck for that. You know, it's something (laughs) different. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Even now, that's an unusual sight in the metal community. In 95, it was, I mean, do you know, I'm trying to think, was she the first? She was the first that I was aware of. She may have been the first black front woman in metal, at least to sort of, you know, achieve the, the yeah, national stage yeah. as it were to to you know get stuff out there um which is pretty amazing yeah and they were kind of lumped into what at the time everybody was calling alternative metal yeah which i'd forgotten about that until i was reading up about this album and i was like oh i remember that label <laughs> no one knew what to do with them because they're, they're kind of all over the place it, there's a real fusion in it isn't there yeah, yeah. So, Brian, you I don't think you'd even heard of Skunk and Andy, had you? I think I'd heard the name, but definitely was not familiar with their music. I, I saw Strange oh, wow. Days in 95, so I'm sure I must have heard Selling Jesus at the time. But this album, I really had no familiarity with, and it blew me away. I was, like, <laughs> absolutely blown away uh, by this album, because it is such a fusion of different... Mm-hmm styles but also just within the album so much so much diversity in each song and just uh it's it's got such a dynamic feel it's just big it's the the drums the bass skin's voice like it's all uh as you said pinky like really clear but also like such a great blend and it almost feels like on each song, there's a different element that is sort of standing out. Some of the songs are super bass driven and, and really um, some of the songs are like very much groove driven and other ones are very punk. And as you said, a couple kind of great ballads on there too. Uh, So just like, it kept surprising me as I listened to it. I like selling Jesus is a great opener, but then each song kind of offered you something new and there wasn't a point in the album where like, I wasn't surprised by the next song. Yeah. I, I think the, the whole album has got a really good flow to it and it opens really with a really strong, I mean, every song on it is really strong in its own way, but that's the, like you were saying, probably the most metal of them on the album. So it's really heavy. But it just it just keeps going, and it all seems to fit together, even though they're all quite different. Yeah, I I think that's the kind of thing that you have to set out your stall, as it were, from mm-hmm. the start. If you're going to make an album like that, there is a you know a real variety, a mixture yeah. of 
yeah, you know, this fusion and all these different styles and stuff. And to go from selling Jesus to intellectualize my blackness. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a flex. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, that is kind of the moment you make that pivot, you're like, oh, wow, okay, this album is not, you know. And I had I had heard this album all the way through before at least a few times, but I didn't own it. Um, right. So I hadn't listened to it a lot. Uh, and then I went out and bought it for the, for the episode. But I had definitely heard it, and I know I'd heard it several times because uh, back in the 90s, Pretty much every woman I dated loved Skunk and Anzi. And that is such a strange... I was thinking about that. Like, it's so weird in a way that they're not bigger in the consciousness. Because, like, they are popular. They've yeah. sold a lot of records. Yeah. They've headlined festivals. They headlined Glastonbury. Yep. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's amazing. And yet, they remain this band that most people have heard of, but they don't get yeah, they, talked they, about they... a lot. Especially over here, I, I listened to one interview with her saying they still headline in other countries, but they come back here and hardly anyone's talking about them. Yeah. And it's crazy. It, They're it amazing. Right, but, it, but it's just so weird for a band that's so popular as well. I mean, I think yeah. it, go, it comes back to this thing that we've got in the UK where the, the music establishment, I said this, funnily enough, it, as we record this, it's the night after Eurovision. And I oh, said yeah. on... I said on Twitter to uh, somebody, like, there is little that the UK music establishment hates more than metal, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they just absolutely despise heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's got to have something to do with it. Yeah, probably. But, also, yeah, the it, fact that it's a black woman fronting the band, which makes it a lot harder for them. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, almost every... I do know a few diehard Skunk and Nancy fans. Uh, and they are basically all women. Um, and conversely, just about every female metal fan that I know <laughs> loves Skunk and Anzi. Yeah. It's such a, it's so, I mean, I guess it's not strange, but it's a shame that it's strange that they are, they seem to be such a female band. You know, in that, yeah. like, they're loved by women, but they're only loved by women. I mean, obviously, that's not entirely true, but in the gen, in the you know, in general uh, terms. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I agree that that it. I mean, women tended to love it because they are a feminist, rebellious band, and you don't get very many female led. Certainly not back in what was it ninety five ninety five. Yep. Yeah. You, just female-fronted metal bands was just almost non-existent. And they were nearly always this stereotype look. And then along comes skin. And it's like, wow, okay, this is, this is so different. And the, I mean, the whole band, band is very punk in the way that they do things. And, and with their, like, their messaging and, and the political stuff and, and skin just going, you know what, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be who I am and I'm going to be loud and I'm not going to apologize for it, which is really encouraging for a lot of women that have to deal with so much shit all the time and other people. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not female, I'm not black, but I, you know, I can identify with this band. Mm-hmm. 
um, problem that a lot of people found is that the established white male fan base didn't like it very much because it kind of, I don't know, made them uncomfortable, some of them. Or they didn't want to admit to liking it because it was perceived as a, a girl's band. You could be onto something there, actually. Yeah, that perception often has a lot to do with, I mean, just culturally, you know, yeah. things that yep. girls like yeah. is often a, a synonym it's not for, for the boys you know, kind of thing. Right, things that are looked down on by the establishment, yeah. yeah. And this was, was this prior to the sort of explosion of uh, symphonic metal? It was, wasn't it? I think so. Because just thinking, you know, these days you think about female-fronted metal bands and mostly you think of the symphonic mm-hmm. metal bands. But yeah, this was, I mean, I think Nightwish were around, but I don't think they were huge at this point. I wasn't aware of them at that time, I don't think. Yeah. I think back um, to your, your first point too, though, Pinky, uh, because the with a lot of the, the symphonic metal stuff, like the lyrics are safe, right? I mean, they're... We're talking mm-hmm. about fantasy. We're talking True. about empowerment, that kind of stuff. But, but in a very general sense. Whereas the, you know, the the subject matter that Skunk and Nancy is exploring on this album is very specific, and yeah. I do feel like it probably kicked off some white fragility in terms of yes. like people listening yeah. to the album and going, "Whoa, wait, wait a second, is that <laughs> is that me?" Um, like just intellectualize my blackness is it precisely. Oh, yeah. it's surgical. In, yes. in its uh and I'm yep. sure there were I'm sure there were a lot of people who heard that and went, Is that song about me? Uh and really yep. maybe struggled with that. But it's so uh I mean And I think I knew a lot of people that were like, Oh, that's not about me. I don't do that. Yeah, right. And I, I was probably one of them at the time because I was just a seventeen year old idiot. But Well, and the th- best part about that too is like it, but towards the end of the song, she literally gets into that where, yes, where she's yeah. like, then he tells me I'm so different from all those other shits. Mm-hmm, and so it's like, mm-hmm. as the, as the dude is like explaining to themselves, like, that's not me. She's literally like, well, just yeah. wait till the next verse. I'll, I'll get into that, <laughs> uh, which is just so awesome. So, yeah. So it, it, it was probably a little bit of both, but I definitely think it, it probably made some people uncomfortable and yes. it didn't get the marketing push that, a rage against the machine got indeed that I think would have pushed past that uh, sort yeah. of uncomfortableness into kind of the mainstream. And yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, for crying out loud, uh, rage against the machine was on the Godzilla soundtrack. Like, you know, the, yeah. like, like they're, they definitely got the push. Whereas I, I certainly from my perspective, and I, I think I was going into my senior year of college when this came out, um, I I didn't feel like this got a push in the U.S. at least where I was kind of getting my music news from and stuff like that. So I don't feel like they got they got that same push at all. But uh, this, I mean, I would put this album right up against the best of Rage Against the Machine in terms yeah. of subject matter and depth of lyrics and um and f- musically. Period. I mean, just mm-hmm. phenomenal. I agree. Yeah. You can't you can't see me nodding, but I've been nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, musically, it's not that. Th- there were several tracks on here where I could really see a comparison with Rage, uh, you know, just in terms of the, the sound. Um, 
let alone the songwriting. But, you know, the other, there were two tracks in particular, All in the Name of Pity and and Here I Stand. And they did make me think a little bit of Rage, but they also made me think of Rollins Band. Oh, yeah. Like the groove, the guitar work. The bass the on bass. those songs. just yep. oh, So you good. You could really imagine Rollins doing these tracks. I mean, you couldn't imagine him hitting the same notes. <laughs> No, she has a phenomenal range. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Whereas Rollins has no range. Um, But you you know what I mean? Musically, these would absolutely slot on a sort of later era Rollins band. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, you know, that's a compliment. I mean that as a compliment. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I can can see that actually. Especially with the um, All in the Name of Pity. It's got that kind of slow but continuous, just keeps going keeps going doesn't really lose momentum and it's still quite heavy at the same time yeah that that song is uh, in the name of pity and intellectualize my blackness i think are my two favorites on the album and that in the name of pity i i feel like it's just got a super heavy groove and i in addition to certainly you can see some rage influence in there weak to me feels very like all along the watchtower so i feel like they're Mm. pulling you know, they're they're pulling sort of influences from a lot of different places, suicidal yeah. tendencies, infectious grooves. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of great stuff to dig into, and then just like a great punk influence, obviously. Yeah, it's funny that you should mention "Weak" because <clears throat> that is that is the other track that I as soon as it started playing, I was like, oh, I remember this. I remember this getting a lot of play yep. at club nights back in the nineties. Yep. Uh, and I, I remember it. I remember noticing it at that time because it's not that heavy, but her voice, holy shit, her yep. voice. <laughs> on Amazing. This track. <laughs> I think Week is possibly one of my favorite songs ever. It really is a great track. I mean, it's a standout on the album. Yep. It's kind of. Uh, I, I've got to be honest, like, I feel like the album kind of tails off a bit after that. I almost wish that that was the final track. Because the the couple of tracks after it, to me, are a bit oh yeah, they just don't quite stand up to it. And then the final track, Rise Up, is good, but not as good mm. as Weak. Like lyrically, to me, it makes sense that Rise Up is a closer. You know that yes. call to arms, like absolutely yep. yes, of course. I see why it's the closer, but musically, it feels like it just doesn't quite have that. Even though it's more up tempo than Weak, it doesn't quite punch through as well. I don't think that's fair. I think. I think in that Rise Up has almost more of a hopeful note to it. Yes. Whereas I think, which I think is kind of cool, right? Because a lot of this album is really kind of smashing, like, comfortable perceptions. And uh, like like I said before, it's very surgical in in the approach to a lot of the lyrics there. And um, But like Rise Up is kind of like their hope you know hopeful song to end on yeah and 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 we could come from a place of having been assaulted and harassed and 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 all of that kind of crap so it's understandably not that upbeat no but still again lyrically i mean she is i assume that she does write the lyrics i think so i know that she has a co-writer a guy called len aaron i think it is right uh who is who apparently has been her co-writer like right from the start. 
Um, but I don't know how much of that is music or lyrics. I'm not sure. But either way, yeah, you know, she clearly is a good lyricist. Yes. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's amazing and tragic how going back to intellectualize my blackness, especially like those lyrics are still mm-hmm. relevant now, 26 years. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every single word in there is like, yeah, that's, that's still the case. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, but it's, it's ah. <laughs> that that's the reaction I have listening to some of these songs thinking nothing has fucking changed. Like it's, things are still the same, right? What is going on with this world? But I feel yeah, well, like, too, I, like this album could drop next Friday and yep. be not only 100% relevant to the time that we're living in, but from a musical standpoint, like go toe to toe with anything else that's out oh, absolutely. there right now. Like, yeah. to, as I listen to this, this doesn't feel like an album that is from 1995. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely influences there that you can tell are, are, um, are being reflected in the music, but this, this hits like right now. Yeah, it's uh, it was produced by Sylvia Massey, uh, who you may not know the name, but she has had an amazing career. Uh, she made her name producing Undertow, Tool's debut. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. uh, and and a whole lot more since. I mean, she has she has done a you know, had a massively wide ranging career, lots and lots of rock and metal that you, you know, that you know, but also lots of non metal stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I see system of a down Johnny cash, red hot chili peppers, smashing pumpkins. Wow. Yeah. Porno for pyros rage. Um, REM Life of Aggie. is on here for heaven's sake. It's wow. Yeah. It's that, uh, that is, that is a list. It really is, yeah. But also, this album was mixed apparently by Andy Wallace, and you know, mid. Uh, we've mentioned him on the show before. Mid nineties metal. Andy Wallace was your man. Yeah. If you wanted, if you wanted to capture the sound of a band jamming in the studio, and I think that's kind of which I think is part of the strength of this album. We were talking about, you know, how you can hear everything and yeah. it's all clear, even though it's heavy. And that is probably a testament to to Wallace, right. but also you were saying that that you loved seeing them live. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, it wasn't quite as clear live, obviously, but it felt so right, and it it was one of those performances where I just it just captured my entire attention. Just everything else went away, and I was there, and it was in the music, and it was amazing. Have you seen them since? No. No, but I do want to. <laughs> well, but you know, that's, I mean, and I, I don't, I have no idea what they're like live now. If they're still performing all over Europe and headlining and stuff, then they're probably still great. Um, but, you know, there's nothing, it's not so bad to have just that perfect memory from, you know, a long time ago as well. Yeah, uh, it would be kind of interesting to see what they're like to 25 years later. <laughs> <laughs> obviously things will have changed somewhat um i, I don't know if she'd be able to hit quite the same notes that she could back then but maybe I yeah, think she's 53 point, now so i would i bet she's still crushing it <laughs> probably i mean just like her because her range on this album is just absolutely yeah and I, n- I know that 
to some point after this, she actually got singing lessons to learn how to do it without wrecking her voice. Because after our show, she had to cancel that. I felt really sorry because she had to cancel because she lost her voice because she was just screaming so much because she does that. She really screams, really just gets all of that emotion into the songs. And I, I did feel kind of sorry for the people after us. That's kind of, wow. That's amazing though, because she sings so well on this album. Yeah. Like to yeah. think that that's just natural yeah, talent. That's you know, without any training. Wow. I, I just assumed that she would, cause she has such a sort of almost operatic uh, yeah. style on some of the songs. I assumed that she must've had lessons at some point. No, that's she's crazy. just very gifted. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. But yeah, I mean, everybody loses. Uh, I mean, we were just talking about it earlier. Everybody loses, yep. you know, sort of the high range as they get yep. older. Uh, even, you know, the most talented singers, Kate Bush. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. she did that sort of um, that comeback thing at the Royal Albert Hall a few years ago, uh, said that, you know, some of the songs she had to lower the key because yep. she just couldn't hit yeah. some of the high notes anymore. And obviously she's an incredibly talented and trained singer. Yeah. I, I will I will put out a public public service announcement in in don't try and sing along to this album first thing in the morning without doing a warm up <laughs> <laughs> because you won't be able to talk afterwards. Did you learn that to your cost? Yes, <laughs> but I keep doing it. I can't help myself. Oh man, that must be a hell of an album to wake up to in the morning, wouldn't it? Good lord! Oh, it gets you going. Yep, I listened to it first thing this morning. It definitely, uh, definitely was a great pick me up. Yeah, I, I once dated a girl uh, who this, this again. This was in the sort of mid nineties. Who uh, for a while her wake up album literally she had a stereo that would you know that was linked to an alarm and yes. would start playing a CD uh, at like eight o'clock in the morning. And her wake up album for a while was uh, Astro Creep two thousand. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That'll get you out of bed in the morning. For sure. <laughs> it was like, bloody hell, cry. <laughs> <laughs> leaping out of bed going, where's the fire? Where's the fire? <laughs> it's like, oh, my heart. <laughs> oh, bless. What's good, though? Actually, do you know what? There was one other, thi- one other uh, track on this that caught me by surprise. There's a, a breakdown in the middle of It Takes Blood and Guts to Be This Cool. Which really caught me by surprise. It's like, it's almost gent-like. It's really, a really heavy breakdown. Like, the track isn't the heaviest on the album, but that breakdown, I was like, where did that come from? The, you, um, the, the sort of where it changes rhythm to, towards the end. Is that, yeah, that's yeah, really about two-thirds yeah, of the way I through. I love yeah. that. I absolutely love that. It just suddenly becomes a different song, sort of. Yeah, well, I mean, it does return back to the, yep. uh, you know, the sort of the, the regular song uh, after a while. But yeah, that middle eight, that breakdown is just so unexpected. Um, I, I, I love it. I, I think it's beautiful. Just mm. <laughs> It is the sort of breakdown where that I, I can imagine, yeah, you know, everything stops and you go like, right, plant your feet. Here comes yeah. the head. <laughs> yep, head for sure. You know? <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you chose this first album. Do you have all their other albums? I have half of their albums. I don't own the newer stuff, but I will be ordering it because I suddenly realised, what am I doing? Why do I not have the new stuff? <laughs> I've been I've been a bad fan. 
How does it stand up, the the albums after this? How do they, in your opinion, how do they stand up to this one? I like them. I just think this is the best one for me. Uh, I think the other ones don't quite have the same cohesive whole, potentially. Like, they're good, or they're good in parts, or maybe they don't quite flow as well. I'm not... I'm not 100% sure on what it is. I do love them, and I love a lot of the tracks on them. I just don't like them as much as I like this. Sure. I mean, you know, we've all got our favourites, haven't we? Mm. Maybe it's because because of the age I was when it came out and how much it it meant to me when it came out and and all of that. So that that's obviously going to have an effect on how much I like the album. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, we talk, we're talking about the lyrics and stuff, and I was thinking it's it's one of the it may be not a unique quality to metal, but really I think a fundamental thing about this side of metal, as opposed to the sort of the party rock side of metal, which you know nothing against, but those are the two sort of distinct sides, if you like, of the genre. Mm. And h- how many of us? are like become metalheads for life because we find an album like this that yeah. has got that lyrical quality that just makes us look at the world in a different way and you were saying about how you realize things haven't changed and that's often <laughs> tragically yes. the case with a lot of those <laughs> albums but it, it feels it's certainly the case for me it sounds like it's the case for you. It's the case for a lot of people I know. I'm assuming, Brian, that there's an album somewhere in your early metal days that had the same effect on you. And it's... I'm not sure there's another genre that really does that. No, I agree. I mean, for me personally, as a metalhead, like, there, like I cry listening to metal all the time because there's inevitably songs that just resonate with me so much about either a feeling and and now like there's songs that resonate with me now as a going on 47 year old that uh didn't hit me the same way when I, you know when I was 18 or 20 or whatever but there yeah. are definitely songs throughout my sort of metal listening history that just emotionally spoke to me and a lot of it, it is the sort of commenting on the state of the world and and the state of injustice and, and things like that and obviously a lot of what's being talked about on this album is still very prevalent today and and just as resonant today. But what I love about this album, and I think is true of a lot of metal is that even though it can be very dark, like the, the biggest theme to me from this album, as I listen to it is perseverance. Like there's so much of this element of like, yes, this sucks. And yes, I'm calling out this and, and, I'm putting words to things that make people uncomfortable, but I'm, but I'm still here and I'm going to keep pushing forward and I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to keep. And I think that is such an element of metal too, because so many of us that listen to metal feel like we were in some ways an outsider, right? And there's something within metal that just clicks with you of like, no, we're a community. You may, you may be an outsider in some circles, but we're a community. And there's, there's such a, an empowerment to, metal and so i think when you combine those things of like lyrically and musically songs that really capture the feel of a moment or of an experience that you've had and then that cathartic element of metal 
Um, which is why, you know, as you said, Pinky, you wake up and you're screaming along to the lyrics in the morning, yes. even though you haven't given yourself a warm up yet, right? Like there are, <laughs> there are times where like, you know, I'll be working out or do, walking on the treadmill or something like that. And I'm singing along and tears in my eyes to a particular song that, uh, that hits the way that I'm feeling on that day. And, and I, me personally, I've found that metal is the only genre of music for me that consistently does that. There are yeah. definitely songs in other types of music that really emotionally resonate with me. But metal, it's like there's almost a song on any metal album that I listen to that does that. And then there are whole albums that do that. And, um, and, and I keep finding new ones, which is great. And this being one of them, like I was like, I was blown away musically by this album, but I was also like blown away emotionally by this album. Like I do feel like this is an album that today, right now, should be having a resurgence yeah. um, and should be talked about. I'm so, which I'm so glad that you picked this album because I feel like this is a, a perfect album to be talking about right now. And, um, and like I said, it's that, it's that uh, theme of perseverance and of not shying away from talking about the things that make us uncomfortable yeah. and, and fighting against the things that we know are, are not right. Um, that is really, really resonates. Yeah, I, th- I I agree 100% with what you've just said. And I think one of the reasons why, certainly myself, but I know a lot of the people that I knew got into metal, particularly in their teenage years, is because of that catharsis. There is always someone or a song that's going to come along and you can just, you can rage to it, you can bang your head, you can do whatever you want and you will feel better afterwards. Yeah. I mean, can yeah, you no, imagine was... when we all get to go to concerts again? Oh my oh, god! Like, <laughs> like I was the Mecca concert. Why did you the mosh pit? Oh, I oh mean, my god! They, I was just like be brutal, hundred percent. And I like, I was, I was getting emotional thinking about that the other day. Just the idea of like, I cannot wait to like be back together with like the metal community, like taking in live music again, and like just feeling that energy together. Like there is nothing like, that's the other thing too about metals. I I feel like there's nothing like that energy of a live show where everybody's just kind of experiencing it together. It's so, um, it is the thing I've missed the most during this whole pandemic is, is live music for sure. Yeah. Mate, I got emotional just watching the Eurovision song contest this week and seeing people, you know, like together in an arena, enjoying music <laughs> i know yeah it's uh it is going to be crazy it's and the the metal gigs especially perhaps more than the others yeah it's yeah. going to be an absolute bacchanalia my, my brain's about- just gone into a random like it's remembered like having mentioned mosh pits i am now remembering um sepultura at donnington i'm that old that it was still called donnington monsters of rock mm-hmm. um and that that show was, again, one of the best. And the mosh pit for Sepultura was amazing. Were you there at that show? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was so good. Oh, man, yeah. No, I, I didn't see that one at Donington. I mean, I've seen Sepultura live, but yeah, I didn't see him at Donington. That's, but that that was a legendary. That Was that like 96? Yeah. 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 I, I remember that that was... All the reports of that one afterwards were like this. It was, you know, this yeah, was like it was Donington. absolutely amazing. It was so fucking good. 
mine are all all of my memories of like the craziest like they're all slayer all of them like there was never seen slayer live i I don't know what's wrong with me (laughs) uh 1991 on my 17th birthday i saw the clash of the titans tour with uh anthrax megadeth slayer and alice in chains and during slayer the fans like broke down the fence that was around the like reserved seating and just like destroyed the fence. Then there was um, on the God hates us all tour in Orlando at the house of blues in Orlando. It was like a two, there was a, an upstairs and a downstairs. And then the upstairs, it was like a balcony and you could see over the floor below. And I just remember I, I had taken a friend who wasn't a huge metal fan, but he, we, we happened to be in Florida and I saw that they were playing at house of blues. And I was like, we're going to see Slayer tomorrow night. And we went and the entire floor on the bottom was just one giant mosh pit. And it was the craziest thing that I've ever seen. And then when I just saw them on their farewell tour, um, this past last time they came to my hometown here and the entire floor was a giant mosh pit. Like it's always Slayer. When I think of like the craziest (laughs) mosh pits I've ever seen or been in it, like it's always Slayer. That's amazing. Yeah, um, uh, actually, um, in case there are any uh, Paradise Lo- other Paradise Lost fans out there, they did a sort of a lockdown gig, if you like, last year, which they live streamed called oh. At The Mill, which was basically them in their rehearsal space, I think, um, you know, but doing a full gig set. Uh, and they live streamed it at the time. I didn't, I must admit, uh, go for the live stream, partly just because of the time didn't really suit me. Um, but they are now releasing it on uh, CD and DVD. Oh, that's you can cool. pre-order it now. Uh, I've just put, I got in my pre-order a few days ago. Because, uh, yeah, that's going to, I mean, it's going to be weird because obviously there's no crowd. <laughs> um, yeah. But they said that they didn't try to pretend there was a crowd, you know, so they're facing one another while they're playing. They're not sort of, you know, doing one of those like fake music videos that you see where they try to imply the bands at a gig, but it's clear there's nobody else in the building. (laughs) Armored Saint did that at the Whiskey uh, for their album release this year. They They did a live stream concert. It was fantastic. Like it was, it wasn't the same, obviously, as being at a live show, but I loved it. I was like riveted the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, just thinking about, you know, getting back to gigs, I was thinking like, yeah, you know, I, I, it's been a few years now since I've seen PL live. Uh, so whenever they come around again, I'll have to go and see them. Although actually, it's not really metal, but talking about sort of, uh, you know, being blown away in sort of semi-spiritual experiences at gigs and stuff make me think I really want to go and see Alien Sex Fiend again when they come around. Next time they come anywhere. Oh, I've not seen me. them. Oh, that was, I saw them at Rock City in like, Wow. Late, late 90s, early 2000s. There was an all-dayer, wow. a goth all-dayer, basically. And they were in, like, the second room. And they did an hour. And it was it was practically a religious experience. It was amazing. Oh, amazing. Um, just, like, this trancey hour of packed, sweaty goths. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the slum, right? <laughs> which, uh, well, I was going to say, which, I mean, you know, doesn't necessarily sell it very well. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I had a thoroughly good time. Um yeah, and oh, they're no, still, I've, I mean, I've they're had still some, I've had some out, great so, yeah. times in, in, in sweaty golf clubs, so yeah. Just yeah right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, I haven't been back to Slimes Rages either. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I may well have to go and see them. But obviously, yeah, not very metal. <laughs> um, go, on, go on. No, sorry, I'm just daydreaming about seeing live music again. 
I just got tickets to Gojira for October. Uh, I, I have, um, so I, I had tickets to go to see Hatari, um, and it was supposed to be, I think, in May last year. So obviously it got cancelled, it got postponed until next month, and now they've just postponed it again to, until next year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know there's been, there's been a few like that that just keep getting pushed back and yeah. pushed back. And... Yeah. I mean, it's understandable. Oh, but, totally, yeah. But very sad. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even been vaccinated yet, so the, the, I'm not, ah. you know, I'm barely leaving the house. Um, no. And, until I do. But, yeah, once, once you know, once everybody's vaccinated and we know that yeah. uh, vaccines yeah. work and everything, then, yeah. yeah, I think, I was thinking the other day, it's like, yeah, now I understand the Roaring Twenties a lot better. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. You know? Because remember, they'd just come out of the Spanish flu pandemic. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it makes me think like, oh, oh, it wasn't just so, the economic boom. <laughs> no, so, ah, right, I get it now. It was also that people were just desperate to get out and party <laughs> yes. and have a good time, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I think we've all had a really good time chatting with you, Pinky. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm so chuffed. I have to ask my friends. I, I, I squeed a lot when I got the email going, oh, oh my God, I've been selected. <laughs> It's like it's, I'd gotten the fucking golden ticket or something. <laughs> you, can, you can thank random.org for that because that's what well, I use. Thank to, you, random.org. Uh, <laughs> that's what I use to select the um, uh, the patrons who get to come on the show. But yeah, seriously, thank you. Like I say, I haven't listened to this album in donkey's years. You know, I, like I said, I had definitely heard it a few times because of old girlfriends and stuff, but it wasn't one I owned. And mm. actually, I'm, yeah, like Brian, I'm really glad that this kind of made me go out and buy it because. Uh, I'd forgotten just how good it is. Oh, this well, is, I'm pleased. This is literally my favorite aspect of doing this podcast is like getting introduced to, th- to not only yeah. like new bands and new music, but things that I missed. And I, I cannot thank you enough for this album. Like this is such a great album. And um, it's one of the only things that's pulled me away from the new Gojira album, which I think is just absolutely wow. insanely good. Um, but this album just top to bottom is fantastic. And now I have all of their other albums to dig into as well, which is so great. So, um, and, and I already know like people at work that I'm going to be sharing this album with and, and stuff like that. So it's been awesome. And it was so great to talk to you and, and I'm so appreciative for the fact a, that you've been listening to the show since the beginning, been supporting the show, but also that, um, we got a chance to actually talk about an album that was so important to you well thank you both very much you are very welcome so yeah pinky thank you for coming on the show are you online can people find you online i am i am on facebook i very rarely use it in fact the majority of my time on facebook is when i come and do like a drive-by post on your page after (laughs) you've done an episode and then i bugger off again that's true (laughs) um i am on twitter i think i'm Oh, not the brain, I think. With underscores. Oh, with underscores. I'm just typing it yeah. in now to to verify if that's uh if that's your Strawberry Squirrel. Yep, that's me. That's you. There you go. So with, yeah, with not, my little Dalek. That's it. So yep. not underscore the not, underscore brain. Yes. That Dalek is amazing. Did you make that? I didn't make that one, but it, it has inspired me to make others. <laughs> so I actually bought that one. I'd Love me. The dog is called Chris, by the way. 
and, and it has its own. Dalek. It, the Dalek has its own Instagram page. I don't use Instagram, but the Dalek does. It also has its own bow tie. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Brilliant. That oh, reminds yeah, no, me of the time that uh, because you're Doctor Who fans, um, I got to teach Sylvester McCoy how to play Dungeons and Dragons miniatures <gasps> at a what? science fiction convention. We had a little oh my God. sci-fi show here in my hometown, and there was a tiny room for comics people. And so I happened to be in that room. We were doing comics and gaming. And so I had a bunch of D&D miniature stuff at the time. And I can't even remember when this had to be like before 2010. Uh, and Sylvester McCoy was a guest at the show. And I got to teach. He was like genuinely interested in oh my God. D&D miniatures. You've just miniatures. blown my mind. And I That's got to amazing. sit down. And first of all, he was one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire He's life. Lovely. He yeah. was so wonderful. And um, just a genuinely great person to to talk to, and he was interested in hearing about D and D miniatures. So it was. In fact, he has met wild. that Dalek. That's really? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> then there's 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 a couple of pictures of me just with the stupidest grin on my face, standing next to um, Sophie, as well, holding the Dalek and just just grinning like an idiot, just going, "Ah, finally met you." <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Even though technically I had spoken to her, but I hadn't met her before that point. Right. Oh, that's brilliant. All right. Well, on that note, yeah. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> again. No, 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 that's great. Thank you again for coming on and chatting. Um, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Uh, remember, if you enjoy the show, please spread the word and rate us on Apple and Google Podcasts. And of course, if you want to support the show and be in with a chance of getting your own backstage pass, go to patreon.com slash thrash it out and make your pledge today. If you want to get in touch, go to thrash it for links to email and Twitter. And you can join that Facebook group uh, that Pinky mentioned at facebook.com slash groups slash thrash it out. That is all for now. And we will see you next time. Say goodbye, everyone. Take care. Bye everyone. You did it again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>